0: Welcome back guys to another episode of business from the Bass Boat on the serious angler network powered by x2 power and guys today we've got a super cool show lined up something that is uh, unique in my opinion in the fishing industry and you can just tell through this guy's passion about what he's so passionate about what he's building Um, but before we get into that i am about to jump on a plane here when this episode airs on the monday i will be on lake champlain fishing the last event as a co-angler in the for me anyway in the toyota series for the wild card uh, division so i'm excited to see where that ends up i'm sitting good in the points now but that stuff kind of changes especially as more tournaments go and more guys fish some of the end of the year wild card stuff the points but um didn't do well in the first toyota series as a boater so i said i'm gonna learn something and fish some of these uh these fisheries i've never been to and see some cool stuff so jumped into stuff as a co-angler and uh now we're we're sitting at looking making the championship so that would be uh really cool i'd love to get to gunnersville i've never been there either so um it's been a it's been a really cool learning year for me and then also just this fall we've got some uh, championships at a chance at our last week's guest rick pierce giving away bass boats uh in uh the aba's the western aba's that is so um, excited for this fall it's about to get real hectic here um But speaking of co-angler stuff, this guy also has some incredible co-angler stories because he fished as a co-angler on the Elite Series for a while back when that was occurring. So, um, without further ado, we're going to bring in Marcos of Waterwood Custom Baits and uh, dig into everything that he's got going. He's got a lot of history in this industry, and uh, let's bring him in. Marcos, how are you?
1: Doing good, buddy. How are you doing, then?
0: Doing doing really good. It is... uh, it's, it's good, man. We're getting into this fall swing here. It's about to get hectic uh, fishing-wise, it seems like, for me anyway. I have the springs really busy, and then as we get towards the end of summer, it seems to ramp up again um, for me. But I'm curious. You're out of South Carolina there. Uh, it's got to be hot, and it's got to be probably pretty tough fishing this time of the year, or are there are there still good bites to be had?
1: Uh, it's pretty tough here. <laughs> I live nearby Lake Wiley, and mm-hmm. Lake Wiley is not going through a good moment. Well, first, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, to be here with you guys. I really like the podcast, the shows that you guys do. I think you guys have a unique approach, showing the other aspects of the the business of the fishing world. And I wish, I wish, I wish, I had access to you guys earlier, years <laughs> earlier when I started, because you guys are putting out super valuable information. But anyway. Yeah, Wiley is really tough right now, I man. Wiley's not not uh, fishing as good as it used to. Uh-huh. Uh, probably five, six years ago, we start to see more spotted bass on Wiley. It used to be basically a largemouth bass lake. Okay. And we don't know exactly how the spotted bass came here. Some people say that some people brought it from Norman. Other people say that they mm-hmm. just came through the flow. I don't know. Sure. Anyway, but changed it a lot. Wiley used to be a lake that used to be fairly easy to catch a five-pounder. yeah. And they're still there, but they are becoming more difficult, and the spotted bass is changing everything. So right now, if you go fishing wilding on a day tournament and you have 13, 14 pounds, you're doing pretty well. Okay. Uh, okay. On the other hand, Norman is doing really good. Norman is getting better and better every year. Uh, uh, we spotted
0: the, bass to Norman, right?
1: Yes, spotted, but the largemouth bass, Population of Norman is really showing up lately. Really? Okay. Yeah, which which we we had uh, Berkeley, uh, the big be- not Berkeley, uh, Oakley? Oakley, Oakley, the big yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And man, they had forty some fish over five pounds, if I'm not mistaken. So oh a- my gosh! Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it, it's showing up a little bit better. Is 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 becoming a better lake, I believe. And Norman is big, so handles better the fishing pressure. Yeah. I guess also the COVID thing and so there's a lot more people fishing seems to me. Yeah. At least. yeah. I agree. And uh, the pressure on Wiley being a smaller lake, it really hurt the lake, you know. Gotcha. Uh, um, Norman being a bigger body of water, I think can handle it better. Yeah. So, but I really have a heart for Santi Cooper. I, Santee. every time that I can.
0: Oh my gosh. And how far, a, how far of a drive, how from? how far from Wiley to Santi Cooper is it?
1: Uh, from my house, uh, uh, from Wiley, I would say three hours. From my house, I would say two and two and two in two, two hours forty five minutes maybe. Okay. okay. You gotcha. know, and uh, but but Santa Cooper for me reminds me a lot of fishing back home. Fishing. I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah, because
0: that's that was my thought process too. I mean, you see the shots from Bassmaster and, and all these tournament organizations when they are on Santa Cooper, and it just looks incredible to me. Um, but it kind of looks like some of the, the media that you see from the peacock bass fishing in Brazil. And, uh, I mean, that's a good segue. Let's get into, to that. I mean, you, you can hear the, the awesome Brazilian accent here. First of all, your English is fantastic. Um, but, 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 I would love to hear a little bit about your background and what kind of really brought you to the U S but what, what is it like catching peacocks in Brazil? it's
1: it's unique it's special it's special yeah yeah uh, peacock bears is a different fish than bears of course but they have a lot of similarities mm-hmm. they, they can be really aggressive like bears they can be really finicky also like bears yeah they are not like that lion fish all the time they are not super aggressive all the okay. time okay they uh we don't have precise uh studies on it but we believe that uh uh peacock bass can live up to 15 years.
0: Oh wow. Yeah.
1: We have actually in the country we have 17 species. You guys always see the great big one that is the Asu one. Okay. The one that I have here in my back. Yeah. That is the one that grows larger. Okay. And uh so this is the one that usually Americans see, but we have other species like the blue one, which is a beautiful fish, does not grow as much, but it's like a 10-12 pound fish. Large one, a big one, one. super fun, and they are very similar to bass. Sometimes Uh, the peacock bass fishing is different. The season for the great peacock bass, for the one, the big one, yeah, it's only it's around about three months a year. Okay, you know some lodges will tell you, eh, four months, five months, but not for real. The 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 real deal, the juice, is three months a year. Is when the waters are coming out of the jungle. Okay, the rivers are coming back to their normal. Uh, the fish has to come out of the jungle and I they see. go to the rivers or to the lagoons by the rivers and they come to spawn also. but okay. And different than bass, they are very territorial fish. Uh, peacock bass, we believe that uh, a big fish he will live and die in one area. Oh Either wow, great as much as a largemouth bass. They go to the main river when they are younger. Mm-hmm. but whenever they get bigger and bigger they start they they, they, they become more resident fish and this is not a, not from studies because unfortunately brazil does not do not have a lot of studies it's from our experience on it i guided for peacock bass i guided in brazil for 13 years wow i started to guide when i was 22 out of the passion of fishing for fishing I always love fishing
0: very cool. And and are, were your clients all around the world that would come to to catch peacock bass, or w- what was your client base? A lot of U.S., a lot of Canada. What, what kind of folks? fifty
1: percent probably U.S.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Then we had some people from Europe. Uh, few, not not a lot of English from Canada. Hmm. A few English from from Europe. A lo- probably half of the English from Brazil. Okay, and I used to guide three months in the Amazon rainforest for peacock bass three three and a half according to the season. Yeah, okay. I would go back to South of Brazil where I was a saltwater guide.
0: Oh wow! Yes, living yes. the guide life. Wow, that yes. is awesome. And and yeah. then you you kind of made some connections through that. We were talking off air, but uh, you know, what kind of got you into? I mean, guiding, and then now the industry side of things. What? How did you get into that side of the of the fishing world?
1: Uh, guiding was almost like a. My only way out, I could not work on an office. My father was a businessman. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time. I tried my best for that, but I was always fishing. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's his fault because he and my mother taught me how to fish when I was really <laughs> young. There
0: you go, blame it on me. I
1: grew up by the river. So yeah. So for me it became such a passion that I had to guide. For me it was the only way out to to really to to do something where I could find real life.
0: Yeah, you so, enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. And when I started guiding in Brazil, guiding was very, was, a new, was a new possibility in Brazil. There were not many guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started, my father said, well, man, you're going to starve to death. <laughs> and for sure, in the beginning, I almost did it. But yeah. thanks God, things started to line up. And we built a good reputation with the customers, good client base. So guiding became, for me, uh, my, my way of life. And when I moved to America, I moved to work in the industry, in the fishing industry. I was already doing consulting, but my main goal was to try to to establish a guide service. Here in the U.S.? Yes, I couldn't couldn't do it because we moved to America. We built our house here. First, we had an uh, offer to be working in Florida, uh, in Miami, Florida. I spent uh, three months in Miami. Okay. And I love Miami, but it was good enough for me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Kind of a country, country boy and could not do well in that. Yeah. City. Yeah. So we end up moving to Fort Mill, South Carolina. At uh-huh. the time, Daiwa used to have a distributor distribution facility here. Okay. For the, for the East Coast. And I was working uh, with a Diwa distributor in South America, working very closely with Diwa doing product development. Mm. So we ended up here, and we fell in love for the place, made good friends here, and here we are to today. Wow! Wow!
0: Yeah. Very cool. And 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 so really, the next part of your story—I mean, you've gone through this industry stuff when you when you moved here. Um, and did, my question to you, because. You went on tour fishing the Bassmaster Elite Series as a coangler before moving to America. Did you know what tournament bass fishing was? Were you aware of the Elite Series, or, or probably before then, it maybe not have quite have been the Elite Series. But I mean, was that all on your radar from the beginning? Was tournament bass fishing?
1: Yes, it uh, uh, was a dream. Uh, in in 1985, we start to have some shows. Uh, for the best master, okay, in Brazil. Uh, Vision cool. was catching up in Brazil, and and we we start to have a few shows. You know, far in between. If if I'm not mistaken, in 2000, yeah, we start to have the the whole season, and for me it was a, a how do you call how to say in English a changing moment. You know. Uh huh. Uh, because I saw uh, uh Wood Davis winning the 2000 uh huh 2000 Bestmaster Classic, and that really we were amazed by the show, by all the media, the tournament itself. The, prof- the this, this is a dream, level, yeah. yeah. The, the level of prof- how do you say professional prof- that you guys had, yeah. So we fell in love for it in 2004. Takahiro Mori won a Best Master Classic here on Lake Wiley. Mm-hmm. And when we had an option to move to South Carolina to work here, uh, I went to the map and started to look for lakes and I saw Lake Wiley. I said, so, oh, Mary and my wife, Takahiro Mori won on Lake Wiley. We have to go. We got to go. <laughs> it's, I know the lake. <laughs> that, so, is,
0: that is so cool to me. Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's when, when folks you know, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like in this industry, there's some negative talk around like, Oh, bass fishing is never, is never going to be, uh, obviously like a golf or, uh, uh, some of these high paying professional sports, but to see that passion and you see it from, from out of country anglers that are, are, when you're looking to move here, you're looking at a lake that you saw on a tournament. yeah. And, and that is, that is incredible to me. I mean, I think of places, same deal. Um, I look at places around the country based on where lakes are from watching yes. events. So that is, that is really cool, though. Even out of country, you were like, we got to go there. There was a pro a Bassmaster Classic there.
1: Yeah, and, and crazy things. So when I came to America, I came to work with product development, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, I need to learn the best fishing market. We, have, we do have largemouth bears in oh, do you? Okay, yeah, We brought largemouth bears in 1967. At okay. least this is the official report. Yeah, uh, we don't know if somebody brought earlier, but some American engineers that came to work with the Brazilian government to help build uh, hydroelectric power. Oh wow! Reservoirs. Uh, they were avid bass fishermen. <laughs> and water like water we gotta, we
0: gotta have something to do when we're not working.
1: Exactly, they were building these reservoirs in the south, and in the south, we, we don't have as much peacock bass. So all men made reservoirs, and they brought the largemouth bass. We have only the northern bass, the pure-blood northern bass in Brazil.
0: Gotcha.
1: So my f- first contact with largemouth bass, I was 16 years old, and we heard that nearby our city there was a there's a power plant, and somebody said, "Oh, they are catching some green fish over there. that look like a trout, but has a larger mouth and this and that." And we go like, "Man, maybe bass, you know?" So we went over there, me and my Friend of mine with a John boat, four HP. Yeah,
0: <laughs> little John. A for everyone, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah that's a little fun. Mercury,
1: a that four HP fun. Mercury, and we caught the whole day, man. We caught one, and when we caught that fish, when I caught that fish, I'll be honest with you, brother, my life changed. Wow. Yeah, the 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 look of that fish, the even the smell of the large mouth <laughs> Yeah, the smell. For yeah. me was. <laughs> Was unique and then God is so amazing. God, I believe in God a lot, so I don't yeah. mind. I don't, yeah. I hope you guys don't mind me mentioning, but yeah. God, in His good sense of humor, gave me the opportunity of coming work here on His grace. And, and uh, I fished the, the three first years that I was in America on the Elite Series as a co angler. Mm-hmm. I met Todd Auten here in the Carolinas, the professional, the angler Todd Auten. Yeah, oh, yeah, we became good friends, and he was fishing the Elites by the time so i was going uh, traveling with him as an own boater and learning all the, all of this having this amazing experience as far as fishing and then i had i, I, got, I got to fish twice with takahiro mori the guy that i saw on television i yeah. got to meet many of the pros that i thought my gosh i'll never be able to to even you know got to talk with these people they were you're so around cute.
0: yeah you're the people you have been uh, idolizing Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And then, but that, that, that was a super cool experience, man. I learned a lot. I wish. I know that the anglers like it better without co and yeah. I understand. I, I understand the reasons. I, I can see that. Yeah. I, I did fish some opens as an an angler too, but the co-angler uh, deal for me, for the sport especially, is an amazing deal. Because as a co angler, you can learn you can learn a lot really fast. And yeah. if you see the investment is a fraction of the investment that an angler has to oh, do. Yeah. That's- so the co angler side of the business, I know that hurts sometimes the anglers and it's not comfortable all the time to have another guy trying he's not competing against you, but he's trying to catch the fish in the same same water that you're fishing, but still it's a it's a cool deal.
0: I think that's well, that's well said. I mean, to me, so, so, um, I, I fished a uh, Toyota series, which I consider kind of triple A, similar to the Bassmaster opens. It's around on the boater side at $1,800 entry fee, kind of the thing. Um, so I, fi- I went and fished those last year and then put pen and paper to numbers. And as business from the bass boat, kind of looked at the numbers and said, okay, well, I-, I don't know if I'm ready to do that again. Um, you know, I cashed one check out of three tournaments. And it was like, I spent a ton of money, spent a ton of time. Uh, and so I looked at it this year on the co-angler side. And I really do wish that uh, the FLW tour still had an entire, you know, now major league fishing, but had a full season for co-anglers from that perspective. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, like you said, I understand. I see both sides. I fish as a boater in a lot of tournaments and I, and, and team tournaments and things where I would be like, you know, I, I see the, the negative side of it, but from a, learning at a fraction of the cost being around guys who know incredibly well what they're doing on the, on the pro fishing side of things, um, was huge. And so to me, the only way to do that now is to fish, you know, a couple of divisions of the opens or the Toyota series as a, as a co-angler to get that same experience. Um, so that's, that's the way to do it now. But I, I, I don't know. I agree with you from that perspective is I think that, uh, there's, there's both sides to it, but from a up and coming angler, um, it definitely does does make it harder from, from somebody. You're just gonna have to do it with the smaller tournament series, not the full Bassmaster Elite series, major league yes. fishing tour. So
1: yes, I understand. I agree with you.
0: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so now we're in the US, you're fishing the elite series, you're connecting with guys, you you're good friends with Todd Otten. Where did Waterwood come into this whole thing?
1: Well. As I said, I started guiding, let me go back a little bit, I started guiding uh, when I was 22, got some connections with the distributors over there, started to work for the industry, right? Yeah. Came to America, always had a passion for fishing tackle, started to buy as much as I could. Yeah. my wife was not really happy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but that's another
0: another side. Another side. that's we you can see all your boxes yeah. on the right. So those yeah. Well them.
1: I cannot I cannot I cannot complain. She supports me as much as as, as she can. So I, I have the best. On that side I have the best. But anyway, so we always buying baits, trying to change baits, always had the idea that there's always a way to do something better. Yeah. Not that we are better or that we know better, but there's always a way to make something better. And this is how you see the industry developing and evolving. So Todd Otten is a Zoom man. He's sponsored by Zoom. Mm-hmm. Through Todd, I got in touch with the Eddie Chambers, the Wood Baits. They call it the WEC. Okay. And the, we call it Zoom crankbaits or Zoom Baits. And uh, got in touch with those baits. I always love wood baits because of Brazil. Uh, so I really started to fish wood baits. I really like wood baits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, about six years or so ago, unfortunately, Mr. Chambers passed away. So we kind of lost access to his baits. The baits went, market went sky high for the baits. Price on the baits went sky high. People that collect baits, they were buying them mostly to collect, not to fish.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So out of the necessity, out of the passion, I had already, we were already making baits in Brazil for peacock bass since 2012. We found this amazing wood that grows on the rainforest. It's called marupá, very similar to balsa, about 30% more dense than balsa,
0: Heavier, heavier than Balsa is
1: yeah, 30%, a third, but a lot stronger than Balsa it has longer nice. fiber, it's unique, really unique wood. And we were making baits for peacock bears out of that wood in Brazil. So when, when answering your question, when Mr. Chambers unfortunately passed, uh I said, you know, it's gonna start to make a few crankbaits for myself because I'm not gonna use the ones that I have from him. You know, I cannot get it anymore. And for me, it's history. It's not only...
0: It's a collection made, you know, deal, too. Yeah, yeah. especially yeah. someone like that, passes like that. That yeah. is, uh, You want to have that as a keepsake.
1: Yeah, so I made a few baits and brought to the U.S. and gave a few to Todd and to other friends that fish here. You know, there's a lot of pros here in our area. Mm-hmm. And got. A, a, I, I mean, everybody came back to me, man, I need more. You got to make more. <laughs> and that brought us the idea for Waterwood. And we started Waterwood about four, almost five years ago. Okay. And it's been a wild ride. Uh, we were not expecting the the welcome that we, we found in the, in the in the fishing community. You know, our baits are different, have a higher cost because the process that we use to build the baits and materials. But it's been an amazing ride. And now, after almost four years of being really in the market, learning more and, and understanding better the anglers, we are being able to develop new baits that we believe are better than the ones that we when we started. So it's been a, a work in progress. It's a process. We are not quite there yet. We have a lot to learn. We learn every day. I always tell all my friends and my customers, you know, every batch of Waterwood, it's a little bit different. Mm. Because in every batch of baits, we learn we learn about the wood, we learn about the process, we learn about the fishing. We try to get, as I said before, the concepts that are more established complex, con- concepts, like a like a round body bait, like a E one or a Bagley that used to be the B one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or
1: a big old even previous to that, and we try to to see where we can change something. Or how to improve that bait, and cause.
0: I I like that concept. I mean, as far as finding, you know, um, not you find a bait that's good that it catches them. You know, it catches them, and you say, okay, how do I make this even better? How do I put my twist on it with waterwood? Which I I love the name waterwood because it's literally the wood coming from the rainforest. It's it's, and and I was doing some research too, just on the wood. I believe it's. has an oil or something related to, to yes. uh, water repellency, right? Because it's always in the water. Yes, exactly.
1: And instead of absorbing water like balsa or cedar,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the marupa, the wood that we use, has more oil, as you mentioned, so it expels water. Mm-hmm. And it, so our baits, even if you remove the paint, if you, if you fish long enough that you can, you know, get to remove the paint out of the bait, Sure. Uh, uh, the bait still will be a functional bait, of oh, course. With yeah. l- in a longer time, you know, longer period of time, the wood, every wood will will flood. Sure. But our wood is it takes a lot longer and, and being stronger. Uh, uh, one of the frustrations that I had, and I guess a lot of fishermen had, with wood baits, yeah. that they are amazing. They are fishing machines. They catch fish, mm-hmm. but on the same hand, they are very fragile. You break They're them all the time. You- yes.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there as far as uh, traditional balsa wood baits. Love them, like you said, fish catchers. Uh, but I have broken a lot of them. <laughs> a yes. lot a lot of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, fish bite it, hook perforates the paint, paint job, wood will flood with time and the bait will be, you know, we will, will lose efficiency. So when we built water, what my goal was to make a bait, a wood bait, for bass fishing that would have the same strength that we have in our peacock bass baits. Yeah. We were bringing peacock bass baits to, from America to Brazil, great brands, great product. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they were made out of certain woods that you catch two or three peacock bass. And as the fish hit the bait, the hook hangers Mm -hmm. move the, you know, and then you have a gap, water starts to flood the bait. Sure. So, a really expensive bait in Brazil, I don't want to mention any names because I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, diminishing any product. Sure, sure. Yeah. But you buy this amazing bait and you catch two or three fish, next day the bait is not working properly anymore because it's flooded. Yeah, absolutely. So when we brought Waterwood to America, when we started Waterwood, the, the baits for America, I said, we got to figure out a way to make a bait for bass fishing that has the the benefits of the wood bait, natural, um, natural material, organic material, mm-hmm. but that can hold better. And of course, nothing is indestructible, you know. We are fishermen. We, we manage to break almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But uh, uh, our baits really hold. We want to believe that they really hold a lot better than balsam.
0: Balsa. And a traditional balsam.
1: I'm just finalizing... Uh, uh, your question, uh, the answer to your question, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the concept that we have, if you go back, when Eddie Chambers was, was building his baits, he was building the mutt, the hickey, the flat sides, mm-hmm. very similar today what you have like a Berkeley Fritz side, but they were made out of wood.
0: The traditional flat sides, the original yeah. flat sides. Yeah. Yeah.
1: By the time those baits, they were the cutting edge uh, design. And they were being built with the best available materials for that time. Everything today is different. We have access to different, different components, different materials. And the design on the baits, if you look at the design on the baits, they are always evolving. You, you look at Megabass, they are always, like the 110, they are always coming up with a new version, a new twist. Learned, yeah, yeah. And, and there's always room to improve. And this is what we are trying to do in our wood baits. Uh, that being said, uh, we have a one I I don't know if it's a hindrance, but it's a characteristic of Waterwood, of what we do. Yeah. Our baits, we, we try to build really tournament baits, baits that will really give the angler an edge. An advantage, uh, yeah. And, and you know that. For that instance, you can go, let's say, to a good tackle store, you can go to Omina Fish. And you will find swimming baits that are very low cost, mm-hmm. and swimming baits that are more costly, higher cost. Oh yeah, they are. They may look similar, but there's a big difference. I agree in, in the performance of the bait. So we try to do it exactly the same uh, with Waterwood. how can we offer the customer, the angler, a, a tournament bait that will be really that will really bring some some advantage that will really give the, the angler the edge. Your, your tournament fishing, fishermen, you know, a couple bites in the end of the day, they may not mean much. They may mean, mean
0: the difference are- in winning or not. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. A, a couple of bites. I mean, it's, tournament fishing to me, the more and more I do it, uh, is an odds and a numbers situation. And the more bites that you get in a day, the increasing your odds are, the more chances you have that it's a five pound. Yeah instead of a two pounder yes. so I, yes. I agree bites are are important
1: yes exactly
0: i like it well um i want to dig into a couple of things uh about the baits specifically uh first of all the paint jibs are are magnificent i was just on a podcast um last night uh with hella bass had me on to talk about icast i was at icast this year and, uh, we were talking, going through the baits and he's like, Oh, what are these waterwood deals? And, and I was like, I, I'm, we're actually having on business from the bass boat where our next show is going to be the, the founder of waterwood custom baits. So, uh, we talked through it on, on the ICAST release, but, um, you know, it looks like some of the new stuff for this year, you've kind of gone also, not just, you know, traditional when you think of wood baits, I'm thinking of, Uh, crankbaits for the most part and then you kind of you go into these other other realms but you guys are coming out with spooks or spook style baits topwater baits Mm -hmm. hoppers wake baits I mean very in-depth this isn't just a single flat side kind of a situation uh, company but with with that you know how how does the wood act on topwater stuff
1: the wood is is I have to be very prudent here. Okay. I believe that the wood is better than balsa for topwater baits. Mm-hmm. Because one of the challenges of making a balsa bait, balsa has a very short fiber. And when you're making a long body bait, yeah, that bait becomes very brittle.
0: Oh, that makes sense because you're just, you're, you don't have long connections the whole way out.
1: Okay. Exactly. This is why it's not very common for you to see long baits like jerk baits. Or top waters make out of balsa. Yeah, can be done, and there are some people that do a great job on it, but they are not as resilient as uh, other woods. And and this is where our wood really shines because the longer fiber makes it a lot, a lot stronger bait. To give you an idea, uh, the wood that we use, water, the the marupad, water wood, is is being used today by the Germans to build uh, gliders, competition gliders. Really? Yeah, like two, $3 million planes because the wood is super light, it's very light, but super resistant. Mm. And and even though we have great materials like carbon, like magnesium, other materials that people are using for, for these kind of applications. Like man-made so, materials. Yes, awesome. yes. Yeah. The, the, the wood is still unique. Uh, so as far as the resistance, as far as the the new baits, the the top water baits, if I may show you here. Yeah, I go have. for
0: it. For those of you on MP3, yeah. you'll have to tune into YouTube to see it.
1: But. Yeah, this is this is brand new in the market, just released. It's uh, what we call a smooth criminal, like smooth the smooth
0: uh, criminal. I like. It.
1: Yes, and we gave the name because it's very smooth in the water, it has a very natural glide in the water. Okay. You know when you're working a plastic bait like a spook you can see that the bait does not only glide, but the bait kind of jerks a little bit because the way that...
0: Kind of choppy.
1: Yes. Plastic reacts to water, the flotation on the plastic. And if you throw this bait, you're going to notice that it's very... It's a lot more natural. Uh, Another factor that helped us to develop the top water baits was, believe it or not, COVID. Really? (laughs) Yes. COVID for the industry was, I believe... A blessing on one side, if you can have something good coming out of such bad disease, but on a way, COVID put a lot more people on the water. I agree. Being not not being able to socialize as much and being, I guess, the pressure of the system, the pressure of the disease, the unknown of this yeah. new new factor, a lot of people start to relate more with, with nature and fishing more and spending more time on the water. So if you talk with people in the industry, like you have Rick Pierce and other people in the industry, my partner that runs yeah. a boat dealer, uh, uh, the, the sales on boats and everything else went through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so a lot more people on the lake, and that's the the good part of it, if if, the, if we can call it like that, if we can say that was something good out of it. Yeah. Then, But it that came with a byproduct, a lot more people on the water, a lot more pressure mm-hmm. on the fish. Absolutely. And bass, I learned that bass is very similar to a peacock bass. Okay. Uh, studying the bass, they say that in natural environment, a large largemouth bass, a northern bass, can live up to average 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in perfect conditions, controlled conditions, maybe even 15 years old. A fish that has that age, they are a living creature, they learn. Oh yeah. And and the pressure on the lake, on my opinion, changed the fish. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're fishing, let's say let me use a bait here. Let's say the whopper plopper. Mm-hmm. When the whopper plopper came about, for me it was a magic bait.
0: Oh my gosh. Go it, back when back. it first broke, it was I, I'm in the Is I it? I fished a tournament in Oklahoma on 10 killer. And it was bananas. I mean, it was yeah. ridiculous. They were they were jumping over each other to eat that thing.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, And exactly the same here, man. We we were going to the lake and go like, my gosh, this is
0: <laughs> it's magic.
1: <laughs> best thing ever, right? Yeah, so we buy every one and every color and every size and all the variants, right? Uh-huh. And today you go fishing with that bait. You, you still catch fish, but it, it's tougher. It's tougher and they blow on it, they don't take it, they 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 follow it a lot, and and because in my opinion, a fish as a living creature learns. I always use the, the analogy of a dog. If you have a dog in your house, and if you come, you're arriving from you know from your day working day, arriving to your house, stop, stop in front of your driveway, honk the horn, your dog come wagging his tail, you go over there, you pet him, you receive him really well. Next next week, whenever he hears your truck arriving, even if it's in the corner, if he can hear it, he will be ready to go. He's there already wagging his tail and wait, waiting on you. Mm-hmm. But if you do the contrary, whenever you arrive in your home, your dog come to you, you kick the dog. Yeah. The same time that he does that, he will hear, he will listen to the noise of your truck arriving. He's, he's going like, I'm out of here. Yeah, there's a bad experience coming, and fishing for me is pretty much like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 peacock bass, as they live in one area for a long period of time, it's very interesting. You go with customers, and everybody wants to throw a prop bait, a big prop bait.
0: Yeah, the what the, the what you see on TV, right? The yes, exactly. big Peacock bass eating a top water.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: so I want I want that experience, and they throw throw that top water, and they go like, "Oh, there's nothing here." You, you throw over there a one-ounce swim jig in the right color, swim that thing, you know, five, six inches underneath the, 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 the surface, surface of the water. Yeah. And all of a sudden, man, that rod is going like boom. Uh-huh. And they go like, my gosh. The fish was there all the time, but he got conditioned to that bait. He learned that that bait is, is, is not a good experience. Of course, they are aggressive, they have an instinct, and they react to baits, and they still bite that bait occasionally. Sure. But if you look on on the numbers and the consistency, they learn that bait. And so for Waterwood, when we start to do crankbaits, we did crankbaits out out of the tradition of of crankbaits and out of the idea of offering a better crankbait to the customer that would last longer. Mm -hmm. But with COVID, the fishing pressure, we learned that when you make a wood bait, First, you have a, a bait that has a different frequency in the water. Sure. Uh, it's a natural material, it's organic material, so it's a lot more natural in the water, mm. right? Different yeah. than plastic. Uh, second thing is very it's 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 a different n- noise in the water. Sure. This That's is definitely. one of the reasons why we, we don't put rattles in our baits. And people go like, oh, I wish you guys would put rattles in our bait in your baits. Yeah. I think if you do, we can do that no problem, and there is an application for that, no doubt. There, sure. there are situations that a rattle bait is a better bait. But looking at the times that we are living, especially when you're talking about competition, especially where, when you're talking about catching fish that is a lot of, under, under a lot of fishing pressure, a wood top water gives you, in my opinion, an edge over everybody else on the field. Probably there's 90 other guys fishing a top water bait, a plastic top water bait. And if you're throwing a wood bait, you're offering to the fish the same pattern, but on a a lot more appealing approach. And for us, on our our minds, that gives the tournament angler an edge. Mm -hmm. So this is why we migrate to the top water.
0: I see. I see. Very cool. No, I think those are some really good points. Um, I think about especially and just cranking too. I mean, your typical pre-spawn um, Grand Lake situation, right? Where those fish yeah. are seeing so many crankbaits go by their head. Um, to me, that's where the advantage is. And I really like that you're bringing this. Um, sometimes, Sometimes I think in the custom tackle world, and this is just a personal opinion on my side of things, sometimes I feel like it is targeted, and there's a very much a need for this but but to bait collectors and folks who are interested in a super uh interesting technique for me being a tournament angler first i want it to give me an advantage right like, yes. that, that is what i really like about your approach is this is not just a a very well handcrafted artisanal style bait but it's also the advantage side of it so um now that's to me. That's that's the best approach that you can have. Is that it's it's not just um, something that looks really good and catches fish. It's we're here to make it a better situation for tournament guys.
1: Yes, and, and that's very interesting. We have a good friend that he's a genius marketing guy. Mm-hmm. He, he used to do marketing for several big brands and especially foreigner brands. Yeah. And one day we were having lunch time, and I was picking his brains about Waterwood uh if what would be the best approach to the market this and that and he said why are you building these baits so oh, i'm building because i want a stronger bait or a wood bait that lasts longer he said no no but why are you building this so well twin tournaments then he said there you go built to win
0: there you go built so in. and that's be- on the side of every box right As yeah, far as this, is why
1: this, this became our our I'll go. say our code, you know, we, we, we try to build baits for tournament anglers that really want to win. And it, it, it is an interesting deal. We see guys with a $100,000 bass boat, you know, three units up in front, two units. <laughs> on the bass country. fishermen
0: are crazy. It's a, yeah. it's a problem that we so have. So they
1: have hundred ten, $100,000 investment right there. And then on the same time they go like "Ah, I'm not sure about a thirty (laughs) eight dollar. It's
0: you know you're you're dead on. It is hilarious to me. I think about that all the time. I mean we talk about it on shows that we've had talking about batteries right with X two power and wiring. It's we spend ridiculous amounts of money on this game, but then there's little components. You know I you see guys with hundred thousand dollar boats that are that are using. you know, the cheapest line that they can find the cheapest yeah. rods, you know, and, and, and baits. And it's just like, there's, it's just, it's a funny conception or misconception to me on, on some of this stuff that there's, there's value in those high quality products. Um, I've always believed that. And it's also what you get confidence in, you know, if I catch yes. him on, on a mega bass jerk bait, it's hard for me to go try something else. Like I know it's going to work uh, for I me. agree
1: with you. I you agree. know, my gosh, the same here, exactly the same. Uh, uh, the bait is what connects you to the fish. Mm-hmm. This is what the fish is biting. Mm-hmm. After, first you have to make it bite. Then you are concerned about your line, concerned about your reel, your rod. But the first thing, the, your first connection, you gotta get a
0: bite first, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So so that's that's the interesting side of the, the 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 market because a lot of anglers they do not understand the value of certain items. Like a battery, you can have, you name it, best, best boat ever. Yeah. Best engine, trolling motor. If your batteries fail on you, brother, you're done. You're totally.
0: <laughs> I don't care what boat you're in. You're not getting
1: back. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. You know, tournament day, it, it becomes an excuse, you know. Oh, oh yeah. my battery died. How many times you hear that? Oh, oh I was on fish and my battery died and I couldn't. <laughs> uh-huh. So th- 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 that's an interesting side of the, I guess it's a human nature, you know, this is us, this is what, how we are wired and, um, but it's an interesting side of the business.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, one thing I wanted to do here, uh, let's see if I can bring in um, on your, your website, there's just some incredible photos of these, of these baits. Uh, let's see here. Share. yeah, here we go. Okay. So I'm going to bring in just your, your boat photos or your bait photos here. So the, for those of you who are on iTunes, I apologize. This is, this is going to be just the YouTube kind of side of things, but these are incredible custom, custom paint jobs uh, on these as well. I mean, we talk about the wood as much as we have and the, the benefits there, but the photo gallery that you guys have, it's just uh, so professional and, and an incredible baits. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that, that price point being that it is a $38 bait. You know, that's kind of an interesting, like, oh my gosh, it's an expensive bait. But we had cast fishing on earlier this year. So that was, it's an Australian Mm -hmm. company that has come to the U.S. And they've started to go into soft plastic realm too. But um, their similar deal would top waters for the most part, bringing that salt water into the freshwater space and that mindset. And, uh, you know, there's attention to detail there and Durability factors. I think when you talk about these high-end products, uh, that you don't get in other situations. I love the packaging, by the way. Um, it's very uh, you unique. Mm-hmm. You know one one question I do have for you, Marcus, is: uh, Are you especially with Lake Norman being the Red Crest? Are you going to be at the Red Crest uh, uh, Expo? Yes, yeah,
1: we 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 are we are aiming for that. Of course, it's our our. Uh, one of our home lakes here so we are and i think will be super event i think will be a blessing for the carolinas mm-hmm. as far as the, for the uh the sport development here on the carolinas we have a lot of good fishermen in the area as you know uh, uh so uh i think will be amazing we, we're going to be there for sure actually we are trying to prepare some products especially for the for the event oh okay Little nuances, special colors, special stuff to mark the event because it's such a unique opportunity and a privilege for the Carolinas to have this tournament here. So, yes, I, I hope we will, we'll be there. It's, at least it's, this is our goal.
0: Yeah. Now, one question on I've been noticing on a couple of these baits, this kind of center eye. What's what's the thought process around around that?
1: Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, you promise that you're not going to tell this anybody, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh when we, when we build a crankbait, we put that dot in the middle of the crankbait, and not in every crankbait, only in the shed okay. or sunfish or, or, or bluegill patterns.
0: Ah, uh, there's another one there. Uh,
1: sure. If you get a crankbait like this, mm-hmm. uh, crawfish awful. pattern, you think... notice that I don't have that.
0: Yep, yep. There's no eye there.
1: Uh, for a for a big fish pattern, first the dot in the middle gives the fish a cue spot, help the fish. The, the predators. They 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 mark the target by the eye. Mm-hmm. So this is why they always try to hit the bait in the eye in the head.
0: Well, how many times have you caught a fish on a swim bait and they, uh, fr- you know, eat exactly the head first? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great point, Aiden. Exactly like that. This is why. So the, cues, the, the dot helps, works as a cue spot. But the dot here on a, on a not on this bait, but on a regular crankbait as a bluegill pattern or a shed pattern, when you remove material from the sides of the crankbait, right? Yeah. And you add weight on the side, that bait has a gravitational center, is weighted on the belly. Has sure. the hooks. So that bait is always sitting like that and has the tendency to run straight like that. If everything is fine, that bait will run like an arrow. People say I want I like baits that run, hunt, and that's sure. just weight weight positioning in the bait and in the design of the weight inside of the bait. Mm-hmm. But how many times, Aidan, you're cranking that bait, being a deep, deep diver or being a shallow diver, you're you're cranking that bait, you're going to rip-wrap and you feel fish's lap on the bait.
0: Oh, yeah, all the time.
1: They they hit it because they are reacting to the bait, but they are not really sure. My interpretation of that, they are not really sure. They are reacting. They are kind of studying the prey. They don't have hands, so they slap at it or bite. <laughs> yeah, it. So they're just nipping whenever, at it. Yeah. Whenever we add weight, even to the sides of the bait, that bait is a lot more unstable. Mm-hmm. So you're cranking, and you have a fish to slap on the bait. And you usually what you do is stop. You do something with your rod. You you twitch your rod a little bit, trying to give bait a little bit more, uh, rea- more erratic action, trying to make that fish to react to the bait. Sure. When you put weight on the sides, when you do, when you jerk the rod, when you twitch the rod after that slap, instead of the baiting doing this, that bait to do like a
0: wide wobble. Okay. okay. Exactly,
1: and there it's very hard for the fish that goes like went to one side, came back to the, I have to get it. Yeah. You know, this is how they react to it. Every time that that bait is, is, they have the feeling that that bait is getting out of the reach is, is, is being able to escape them. They react to it. And as we said, they don't have hands. So they, they grab it <laughs> with their mouth. So the, the cue dot is, is a twofold is to help the fish to mark the, the, the bait and that that's a kind of a byproduct. Mm-hmm. But the main reason that we use a Q dot on, on shed patterns, uh, uh, and bluegill patterns is to add action, erratic action to that bait when you twitch the rod. We don't do that on the crawfish patterns because sure. the crawfish patterns we don't want the bait to I don't want that bait to have this erratic action when it's in touch with the bottom. I want that bait track in front of that fish, as long as it can, to that fish, every time that that bait hit the rock and change directions, this is when the fish will react to it. And mm-hmm. if the bait is too erratic, especially in cold water, predators, they they kind of, they have a natural, natural ability mm-hmm. to understand the prey. And almost like they did... Uh, Almost like they do they do some evaluation. Well, I'm in, in my me- metabolism is very low. I'm on saving saving energy mode. Mm-hmm. And that bait comes to me so erratic, so fast that you know what? Something I'm, not, I'm not chasing, it's out yeah. of my reach. Yeah. Whenever they have a low metabolism, right? Whenever they have a high metabolism, the faster better they react. This is why when we are fishing jerkbait in wintertime, majority of the bites come when we stop the bait. Mm-hmm. The bait stop is like a dying shed and the, the predator is, has a program, a men- I would say, I don't know how to say it better than this, like a mental pro- program sure. to react that way to that bait and they come in and, and bite it. And you see our line jump and you have a jerkbait bite. Uh, if that jerkbait goes too fast, that fish will not react to the bait. So we try to design our products to inside of what we believe is that program that fish has in how they hunt and how they feed. So it's much more than it's so easy to make a, a like a top water bait, you know. But when you make like a we have a popper, we call it a, a sugar daddy. This is the popper here. It's yeah, a longer style popper. Mm-hmm. We designed this bait to to not only to to do the pop, to, to sugar and spit water, but to walk. Mm-hmm. And you guys had uh, had a guest on your show, uh, help me here. Uh, uh, I believe it was Andy that was interviewing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a genius fisherman. He was talking about top water. What's his name?
0: I'm trying to think of what show. How, how oh, long ago I believe was it.
1: it? Hold on. I'll tell you right now. Uh, then let me find here because I got his contact. Oh, nice. I asked Bailey for his contact because I was so impressive, uh, impressive. His name is Tyler Berger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tyler was talking about top waters that different approaches to top water. And he said, I use a walking popper as a frog, but on summertime, out of the grass, if you're fishing a lake that does not have that heavy grass cover, sure. That the, the, the popper is a better bait because first it has two treble hooks
0: catch your hookup ratio yep
1: yes and second if they are only slapping at the bait you have a lot more chance to to get inside of their mouth exactly yeah. Yeah. than a frog so i, I guess he's done a lot of study he knows what he's talking about because this is exactly how the fish react to the bait if you only took the bait if you only pop, pop it, they, they follow, they look, they look, they look, they never take it, you know. But whenever you walk, whenever that bait is turning almost like turning back and yeah. the fish, they go like, Oh my gosh, what is that? I'm gonna to react to you. <sighs> you know? So, so that's very interesting. And I apologize for my English, I don't have the best, no, words, you, uh, best it's, to put it, but I hope I can. Oh, yeah. it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. I really think you eat you've got great English um but as far as uh, that I've always loved that about top water fishing it's my favorite way to catch fish but when you're throwing a spook when you're throwing that top water style bait walking bait same deal I mean to me if it's not if I'm not going really fast and just covering water with one um, I like to have that bait almost turn 180 right like it is yeah. really looking back and that's when I yes. seem to get my best bites is when it's when it's doing that kind of a thing uh, yeah. so it's really cool in a popper format too. And, uh, to me, that's the, um, the best of both worlds and you can cover water with it and, and be, be going fast. And then if you do need to slow it down and do your chug and your pop, you can, you can catch them that way too.
1: Yes. And of course, we, we are very, uh, aware that, uh, there are situations where different actions, different, uh, speeds are much better. You know, like we, we, we have two walk, uh, waking baits. We have one that we call a speed waker, which is a short body bait. Yeah. Uh, extremely designed to be really extremely fast. Mm-hmm. You can burn that bait. And especially spotted bass, I don't know what it is about that fish, but they love speed. You know, the faster.
0: Speed demons.
1: You know, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, probably smallmouth bass, I believe, I don't have that much experience on smallmouth bass, but we've been talking with several anglers that do have, that live up north, like, you know, uh, uh, like uh, 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 Andy, mm-hmm. Andy.
0: And Bailey both live up there.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we understand that speed can be a factor. High speed can be a good factor for smallmouth bass. So we have a bait that's called Speed Waker, trying to fit exactly that situation, that I- application, We have another waking bait that is a longer bait that is designed to do exactly the contrary, to do slow water displacement as possible in a slow pace. That big largemouth, she's sitting nearby that cover. It's shallow, it's hot. She is not very comfortable. She's not feeling like I'm not chasing anything that's really flying by. But uh-huh. she sees that a lot of wax and you know is low in over there. head and she goes like you know what? I'm gonna take that, easy gonna that. So
0: big shad going by. And yeah. what's it and, and and what's the I know the speed waker. what's the what's the other wake bait called? but yeah slow. the
1: other one we we, we are about to, to launch it its first okay. year in the market next week. Oh very nice. it's called a joint week.
0: Joint wake, okay.
1: No, joint week.
0: Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> <I> <laughs> the <gotcha>. Hitman. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I like yeah, it. We,
1: well, we like, we, we, I really like the, the, the movie. I really like the actor and, and when we were fishing that bait, uh, first the prototypes, we, we had a friend of ours in the boat and he is from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, he guides on, eventually guides on Lake Falcon. And wow. he said, oh, that bait is like an assassino like a killer, a hitman. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. So said, oh, Joe Wick is oh, Joey a good name. There you go. I like <laughs> so it. Now, how came up, yeah. I love
0: the names. That's that's fantastic. Um no, mm-hmm. I mean and, and with 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 Waterwood custom dates, I mean we were talking off air a little bit about you are in a lot of dealers locally and in and and all around when it comes to Uh, specific tackle shops and helps in my opinion it really helps those tackle shops keep going uh, when you have a product that is unique and um, hard to find production not nearly as much right as a plastic bait so so that kind Mm -hmm. of a thing Um, where can folks find waterwood custom baits can they order them online or go to your local tackle shop how does that work
1: well, they cannot. Or we we are not selling directly to the public at this moment. Uh, mm-hmm. We we wish we could, but we don't have enough production. You know, as demand is really high, and as I said before, surprising us, the demand on the baits. Yeah. So we have several dealers that carry our baits, and if you go to our website, www.waterwoodcustombaits.com, mm-hmm. you will see there's a icon on the top where, where to buy you can click on that item it will be all the stores that carry our baits officially and that have a website and phone number uh, we are working with a lot of new dealers uh, we try to our approach to the market Aiden is a little bit different and when I was watching, uh, the show that you recorded uh, with Ken Ma and Rick Pierce, other shows that you have, okay. I really learned a lot about the approach that these these people that like a accomplished angler like Ken Ma has to the to the industry, and also approach that Rick Pierce has to the boat industry, which is somewhat the fishing industry. Oh yeah, uh, uh, we, we, we are not trying to be everywhere as far as tackle stores yeah we, what we are trying to do we are trying to get tackle stores that especially the ones that have some real connection with the fishing world or that the owners are fishermen anglers that they have solid anglers working on the store they have a good pro staff solid pro staff that are people that have that they are proven Anglers in certain areas.
0: These
1: are the stores that we like to work the the best because then we know that we have people selling our product that are really able to explain our product and really able to put it to work, to harvest all the benefits that we try to put in our products, you know, all this edge because... I have to be extremely careful here, prudent. I don't want to sound arrogant by far, not it. We are, as I said, we don't feel that we are better or we are doing something better. We just do the best as we can. Yeah. But I feel that our baits is for those anglers that are, have a really passion for it. It's not that a guy that's just going to Walmart to buy a bait to fish, you know, for 30 minutes and whatever. Sure. Uh, we don't take waterwood as a, as a fishing lure. Mm-hmm. We take Waterwood as a tool to give you an edge. You know, a
0: tool. I like and, it.
1: And whenever we have a dealer that have people with this, with the same mindset, you know, that's where we seem to 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 do the best. That makes you know? sense. Yeah. Uh, of course, whenever a product has high demand, you have a lot of people trying to get it because they see a a good way to do good profit and which is valuable, I understand, and I value that. But uh, our goal is to, to be in, in, in dealers that have a really a real heart for the deal, you know, really a real heart for the sport. They are not only looking numbers or money, they are really, numbers and money, they become a byproduct. It's like we build our baits. Mm-hmm. We could make it a lot cheaper and we' would be a lot more profitable. Yeah, but that, that's, then it's not our heart. You do what you do because you have a heart for it. You guys spend, I don't know, probably your biggest investment is your time. Oh, my gosh, your, yeah. You know, a lot of time <laughs> okay. on it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You,
1: you got to the point that you went to your company and say, hey, guys, I'd rather work as an independent contractor mm-hmm. because I really have a heart for, for, for fishing, and yeah. I want to pursue that. I, this is what I think you guys are going to succeed, uh, be extremely successful Because if you look at every big company, when they start, they have somebody with a heart for for something. And you guys do have. And this is exactly the same approach that we have for Waterwood. So (laughs) you see answering your question. We don't have a lot of dealers, but we have some dealers. We have other dealers that they do not even want us to advertise as far as uh, 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 web sales. Mm -hmm. Because they like Waterwood to be on their shelves, on their store. To bring customers to, to the store. Because usually, Angler, you know, your fisherman, you angler, you go to a store, very hard for you to buy only one item. <laughs> oh, yeah. You buy what you want to buy, and then you see, oh, this is new. I need that. You know what? I'm gonna get a little bit more of that. And you know, and, and this is something else that we do on Waterwood, let me tell you. We have a special waterwood. If you buy waterwood and for 50 cents more we will give you a fake uh, invoice okay, uh, for $2 only so you can show your wife and you will never have problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now that, that is what I'm talking about. That is what folks uh, need to know. And that's what I always think about when uh, I make orders from Omnia. Um, uh, the lifetime order list that I'm going to acquire over my life from Omnia is going to be a problem that I hope my future wife will never see, right? Like my girlfriend right now, I'm like, no, 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 no. like he, I, it was, you know, here's my order, but everyone knows that uh, we all know how much more that we spend on tackle than we may tell people.
1: Well, you don't know it, this. It, it, you don't even know this, Aiden. You don't know it yet, but you already owe me money. Because when we were talking previously, you, you uh, mentioned Omina and I went to check the website. And unfortunately I found some good stuff over there. That was there we cool. go. That's so you nice. already owe me some money, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, that's uh, just to kind of wrap things up here, Marcos, the biggest thing with, with this show, the reason business from the SO was created was um, the passion that people have yes. in the fishing industry and in any, any industry in general, I'm on the same boat with you. Um, you got to have that passion and then the money's the byproduct. and, yes. um, that passion side is, is why people start brands like Waterwood and yourself and and those situations. And so, um, alignment of values there. I really like that. Uh, so how I like to wrap up every show, a couple of things. Number one, um, because you have been so versed in this industry from guiding product development with Iowa and then now with what you're doing, um, what advice would you have to someone that's looking to get into the fishing industry?
1: It's exactly what we were talking about. Follow your passion. Mm. be You've got to be tenacious, man. You know, nothing yeah. is easy. Nothing that is, you know, there's a saying that if it's worth the, the, the price, it's worth the fight. Mm. Uh, You've you got to put your passion first. Uh, uh, if you look, if, if you enter the tackle business with the approach of only money, Uh, You may be successful, but very difficult uh, uh, because you're dealing with people that they are not buying something because of the value Mm -hmm. of that product. They are buying something. They are buying a passion. They are buying a dream. Oh, man, I'm going to buy this waterwood here and I'm going to catch me a six pounder or I'm going to win the tournament. I'm going to have an edge. And this is not a... I don't. I don't take this as a rational decision. Yeah, I think there's some rational decision on it, but a lot of it is emotional. So really, you have to to be to be very resilient to, to keep on it. And second thing, be consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, consistency for me is the name of the game. Like on Waterwood, we. We sell baits, and we are not perfect. These baits are all handmade. It's a difficult process. It's a very, uh, a lot of steps on the process. So sometimes we fail. Sometimes we have a bait that does not work properly, even though we, we test water every bait. We do the best as we can. We do the sealing sealant on the baits best as we can. But once in a while, there is a failure. Yeah. Uh, we stand behind the product. Customers can call us anytime. I always put my phone number, my email address. Can call us anytime. We stand behind the product because we are not selling something that I want the guy to buy here and be done, you know, be done with it. I want the guy to say, man, this thing is built to help me to achieve that dream. This is why I built to win. It's helped me to to get on that place that is... there's, You know, you go to a tournament... Doesn't matter the size of the tournament. Maybe ten boats, maybe fifty, maybe thirty, maybe two hundred. Same mentality. Those oh guys, they are, they are serious, man.
0: Yeah, they, I, I want to win just as bad at, at a exactly thirty man. boat jackpot yeah. as I do in a yeah. two hundred yeah.
1: boat. Everybody yeah. has blood on their eyes, man. They they are going for it. So so, if we sell something, we got to stand behind. So trying to answer a question, you know, follow our passion, be consistent. You know, and stand behind your product. You know, time will, will will bring you about. If you if you don't give up, time will bring you about. It's like fishing. You know, when when I arrived in America and I went best fishing here, I called my partner in Brazil and he, he said first time that I, I went fishing. He 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 called me. I called him after the fishing day. and He said, "How it go?" I said, "Man, I don't even know how to cast." I was fishing with Todd Otten. The guy was skipping docks, man. And I was looking at the guy. I said, "I'm not never going to be able to do that." Wow. And man, I had—I bought a bass boat, to start fishing here on Lake Wiley. I had days that I came out of the water, man. I was in such a bad mood,
0: so frustrated that I
1: could not even talk. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to my house, and my wife was like, "Man, you go fishing supposed to be happy. You come back, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, cranky and and frustrated." But I talked to the guys in the dock, and I had one or two bites, and the guys go like, "Oh my gosh, they were." chomping today they were eating today and they go like I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Uh-huh. If, if
1: you I don't give that. up, if you do it long enough and and, and really believe you get it. And, and that's the one of the beauty of best fishing. And I believe also the best fishing industry. Yeah. People help each other.
0: Oh my gosh. That's the coolest and part of the industry.
1: You know, yeah exactly. Tournament English man a lot of people of course they, they will not tell you exactly where they caught that fish. Maybe sure. they don't tell you exactly the, the small details on it, but they will give you a pretty good idea, you know. The majority, of course. Uh, there are always some people that, if they're fishing north, they'll you to go south. <laughs> but the majority is very cool. They, they help you. In fishing industry is the same. We we had a super cool experience at Best Master Classic this year. We had a booth. Mm-hmm. And we are side by we were side-by-side side with a company called Beast Baits. Uh-huh. They make soft baits and they uh merged the company with another solid brand here from the carolinas call it true soft they make great jigs and uh spinner baits and we were working side by side different products you know but still trying to to reach that customer and yeah. they were helping us and we were helping them then as much as they can as much as we could and they were doing the same and the guys do not even know us you know we know each other by hello hi but not, yeah. not that we know each other. So this is one of the great advantages of the industry here. You know, like people like you, Aiden, you have the the, the Serious Angler podcast, mm-hmm. and you reach out for a guy that's basically a nobody. You know, reach out to him for Marcos, this guy from Brazil that has terrible English. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, no, Brazilian redneck. I'm gonna give him an opportunity. <laughs> so that goes to show that America. And and I always make a joke, and I wanna ask you the question. It's not a joke, it's something serious, but to prove my point, I'm going to ask you a question that I know, before I ask you the question, I know that you don't know the answer. Okay. I doubt that you have the right answer.
0: Yeah.
1: Can I ask you? Sure. What makes America the most amazing country in the world?
0: That you can build a business around your passion
1: that's a byproduct that's true but it's a byproduct
0: that we're, uh, what do we got what what's the answer
1: the answer is the American people mm. is you guys you guys have a heart to help look man any disaster in the world America is sending people money America is always there uh, you Americans you have that heart to help it's I, I guess you cannot you know you cannot you cannot avoid it. Yeah. It's something that, wow. that's that's like in your genetics. Aiden, let me tell you a, a fishing story. Mm-hmm. In 1987, I was 20 years old. That okay. goes to show you how old I am. <laughs> I'm so old, Aiden, that when I was really young in Brazil, I used to walk outside in my, my backyard and there were dinosaurs over there. <laughs> how old I am. But so in 1987, I was hired by a very wealthy gentleman. I was a farmer in Brazil. Okay. And he bought a big property up north on the border of the Amazon rainforest. Okay. And he had the land, but he was trying to keep the land. He was trying not to open for pasture, to not take the trees. He was a very cautious guy, a very nice guy. And he said, I may do a fishing lodge over there, but I don't know nothing about fishing. Would you go over there? Uh, by the time I was writing on several magazines in Brazil and doing some fishing shows, so oh. I had kind of a name. And so he hired me to go over there and do some prospecting on the property. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's in the middle of the jungle, man. Aiden took us uh, eight hours to drive 120 miles. Oh, wow. On on dirt roads. So So bad, man. We we were
0: bumpy and just... Yeah. So when
1: we arrived over there, there was this couple taking care of the land. And they were descendants of uh, uh, native Brazilian Indians. Naked, okay. right?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So they have the, uh, the 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 traces, the lines, the I don't know how to say the, et- the ethnicity the, of the the Indians, and they genetics. are super so Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: They are beloved people. So I arrived over there, introduced myself. The guy came and introduced himself to me, and I said, "What's your name?" And he goes like Elijah. I go like Elijah. You're from the uh, Kaikubi tribe, and you have a biblical name. How come? How, how's that possible? Sure, he said, "No, I'll explain you how it's possible." About fifty years ago, some American missionaries came by, uh-huh. and they taught the whole tribe about God. They 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 taught they they preached the gospel, and they they taught us about God and everything else and my grandmother learned that and she learned to read to be able to read the bible and she was really in the bible so every one of her children and her grandchildren had by by
0: biblical names yes
1: and that's due to the american people can you imagine in the probably in the late seven uh, 1800s I guess mm-hmm. some missionaries going to the amazon rainforest reaching out for tribes they were really wild by the time so you Americans do that that's the heart of America and this is why everything is possible here because you guys help each other even we we came here we were nobody ever heard about what it and I go to stores and 90% of the time, oh, yes, man, we're going to give it a try. We're going to give you wow. an opportunity. So wow. that's what makes America, in my opinion, you know, such a special country.
0: The help. Wow. That's yes. great. That's a great uh, perspective and, and a good way to wrap things up. That's fantastic, Marcos. The, the last question I have um, would be, your largest, and this is cool because you traveled the Elite Series stuff. So you may have been on some big smallmouth fisheries, that kind of a thing, too. But largest smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, and spotted bass, and, and what you caught them on.
1: Hmm. I may disappoint you. I don't have many big fish. Well, <laughs> my largest spotted bass was a Norman winter time, was on a tournament, caught it on a speed trap crankbait.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. A
1: rip rap. Early, early in the morning was a five and a half.
0: Oh man, that's a yeah.
1: that's a big yeah. spot. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Now they are catching a lot bigger than that. But by the time it was a big fish. I had an opportunity in from '90 90 to '92. I live in California. I did a little bit. I uh, went to Santa Barbara City College as an international student, mm-hmm. and I study a little bit of uh, marine biology. Okay. Very. Cool. Uh, was not a full graduation but I did for two years and I had an opportunity to fish a lot of bass lakes. I fished Kachuma Lake, Casitas Lake Oh yeah,
0: that's awesome yeah. you just spent some time on the southwest Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. and that's I cool. was super blessed man, I caught a huge largemouth bass there, I caught a 14.7 Oh my Yes, gosh. and believe yeah. it or not I caught it on a tube by the time they yeah. used to use a tube a big tube called a tora tube
0: yeah was it on my bed
1: no man was a well i I made a good friend over there his name was danny joe Mm -hmm. and uh, he was a texas man lived to california married a california girl and he was almost retiring he had a champion boat oh yeah yeah we became such good friends that he used to lend me his boat i was you know student and no money and so he was super cool. He got to lend me his boat and his truck, wow. so I could go fishing sometimes, practicing for us when we were fishing some tournaments together.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, uh, so I was using his graph. He had a Lawrence X sixteen. I will never forget. It was a paper graph.
0: Wow.
1: And I went over some brush, man, and I saw those two big arches on it. And I go like, my gosh, those are big fish, you know? I don't know what they are. So I stopped the boat and fired that tube over there. And sure enough, man, I had the bite, set the hook, fought the fish, brought the fish to the boat, put the fish on the net, and as I soon as I net the fish, the, the tube came out of his mouth. Wow. So it was amazing fish. Uh, by the time they had a program over there that you could bring the fish alive to the uh, station for the game fishing, yeah. and they would donate the fish alive. They were trying to to take some – to make the fish yeah. spawn. Yeah. Yes, Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Similar to Texas now. Yes. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Similar to Sri Lanka. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was my biggest largemouth bass, and my biggest uh, smallmouth bass was uh, on Angie's territory. It was in Buffalo, New York. Uh
0: huh. Yeah.
1: I was fishing a tournament as a Quangler. Yeah. First time was fun. First time I drew a guy from up north on Lake Erie that had a gambler boat. Oh man. So I'm fishing on, Erie on those waves and that boat was flooded half of the time. Because <laughs> alone, yeah, really... But the guy yeah. was a guide over there, a great tournament angler. So we done great first day. It was only three fish for co-anglers. So yeah. first day I fished with him. Second day I fished with uh, Marky Robinson from South uh-huh. Carolina. Uh-huh. And I caught a big, 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 big uh, uh, smallmouth bass and marty was super kind with me he's an amazing guy when he saw the fish he go like man i'm gonna help you because by that time the english could help the co-english and vice versa to land the fish yep, yep it was choppy so he helped me to land the fish what that was a for me was a big fish it was a six two
0: that's a giant you, yeah i can't believe big. you said you you're like oh i don't know about my answers i think those are some of the I think a 14 seven's the largest – I ask every guest this, right? So the, yeah. that, I think, was the largest largemouth I've heard. I mean, a lot of guys – Todd Castledine, Texas, you know, kind of, I don't know, is 10, 12, 13 maybe, you know, is the highest I've heard. But that's yeah. the biggest. A 6-2 smallmouth, I mean, giant, yeah. a 5.5-pound spot. Like, that's. I, those are some of the best numbers I've heard, Marcus.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I'm a pretty good liar, but <laughs> trying to convince people about my lies
0: uh-huh. – I, I,
1: I, I got the measurements of the fish and we we, we did a fiberglass replica.
0: Oh, very cool. And very
1: I have cool. here in my back, the biggest peacock bass that I caught was a 26. Uh, oh my yeah, that one in the top. And the 26. large mark in the back was the 14.7. At least the measurements, you know, as close as possible. Sure. But uh,
0: Wow.
1: And since I released the fish, nobody can prove me wrong, so I keep telling the same story. <laughs> I like it. I like it.
0: That is fantastic. Well, Marcos, um, I really appreciate you coming on and hearing your story with Waterwood Customs. Uh, for folks interested, check out waterwoodcustombaits.com. Go through. The galleries are incredible. And then uh, go to that dealer page. Look through uh, Look through where you can, you can get some uh, purchased. And uh, can't wait to see where this brand takes you, Marcos. It's been an awesome journey so far in the four years. And um, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, Aidan. I just want to say thank you to Andy and Bailey for the opportunity, all the friends that follow you guys, all the subscribers. Amazing opportunity for us to be here. We are a small company and to get uh, to be invited on your show. It's a unique opportunity. So we are the ones to say thank you.
0: I appreciate it. That is that is fantastic. Awesome, guys. Well, Marcos, thanks for coming on. Enjoy uh, enjoy some time fishing here in the heat in South Carolina. <laughs> but uh, best of luck, and uh, I'm sure we'll connect down the road.
1: Okay, cool. Well, listen, before I let you go, February, put on your agenda. Okay. We have a commitment on Sandy Cooper.
0: All right. February at Sandy Cooper. Gosh, you're welcome, buddy. That's, you, you're going to like it. That's awesome. I, I, All right, I, man.
1: I'm not a good guide. I'm not a good fisherman, but that lake is full of fish. So we'll catch <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. I've spoken like a true guide. It's not me, but this place has got them. So yes, we'll be okay. That's, okay. that's true. Awesome. Appreciate All right. It. Well, have Thank a great you.
1: rest of your day. Same to you guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely.
2: Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can, and your app allows it,